You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Will you turn with me, and I won't keep you standing very long, to the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter number 2. While you're turning there, I, I want to quickly say that uh, they are finishing up our uh, dirt pad out here that we will use for parking for now and potentially as the Lord leads um, just for whatever we may need. But uh, they're finishing that up. Hopefully they'll be done this week before the rain comes in and we'll be able to start using that. And so uh, we're excited about that and uh, we're thankful uh, for all that the Lord has provided there. I also want to announce uh, um, this. I, I promise I won't keep you standing, but uh, Sister Jenny Douglas pastors the Lighthouse Church over uh, by Wynn, Arkansas, asked me to announce they are beginning uh, a new work, not a new ministry work per se for her church, but there is a new work that has started there that her and another lady that had been in their heart Sister Jenny has went into the women's prison for some time, for a long time, and there is a great need for a transition house for when ladies come out and they have nowhere to go uh, to, come, to come to somewhere as they get set up for life. And so uh, they have begun that. They have been given a building, and they've started work on it. They are lacking funds. They're lacking work. They're the workers lacking help still. Uh, she asked me to present it to the church and to ask you to be praying, pray for that. They're calling it the Life House Ministry. It will be a ministry for women. And sometimes the Lord may deal with your heart in regards to that particular deal, and you want to know how to be further involved. It may be possible that Faith Worship Center can be further involved a little, uh, a, a little bit later when we get done with our dirt. But as of right now, I do present it to you to please be praying uh, for the Life House. Mark chapter 2. Verses 1 through 12, a story you know, but I want you to, to pay very close attention to the text this morning. We have several that's, uh, or I say several, we have a few that's out this morning. Uh, deer season started yesterday. I hope that if somebody stayed out because of deer season, they don't see nothing this morning. <laughs> but we're glad that you are here with us today. Mark chapter 2. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing him one sick of the palsy, which was born of four and when they could not come near unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven you. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts, whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. But that you, have, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, Arise. Take up thy bed and go your way into your house. 
And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went, before, went forth before all of them, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never seen it in this fashion. Will you back up with me to verse number 5? When Jesus said, or when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. It's going to be probably a little bit quiet this morning, but I want to talk to you and I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this question and I, I hope that you leave and it's on your mind and on your heart. But after they lowered the man down, Jesus said, Thy sins be forgiven. My question to you this morning I'll use for my title is this, is salvation enough? Is, I feel the presence of the Lord say, but is salvation enough for you today? Is salvation enough for me today? If God never does another thing for you, is salvation enough? This morning I I feel it in my spirit already, but I want to minister for just a moment. Is salvation enough? Will you bow your head and will you help me pray that God would have his way today? Father, I love you today and I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. I thank you for salvation today, God, and for every individual, every family that is represented here today. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would open our ears to properly hear our hearts, God, to receive your word, God. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips to rightly divide this great word of truth. Do a work that I cannot do, and that is to move upon every single heart. And I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In the name of Jesus, we ask it, and everybody says, Amen. For the past few weeks, Sunday morning and the Wednesday nights that I taught, I was teaching and I have been on for some time on spiritual warfare, dealing with the battle that the believer fights in regards to the battle against the enemy of our soul for our faith. Last week we defined spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is, shouldn't just be a term that we hear. It shouldn't be something that is just thrown around in the church, but it ought to be something that we understand as a believer. Spiritual warfare, by definition, is the unseen attack from the enemy of our soul to destroy our faith. I want you to understand that. I want you to get it. I want you to remember that. It's the unseen attack. You didn't see him come in. You didn't see him start mendling in your marriage. You didn't see him start messing with your child. It's an unseen attack. And his goal is... To destroy your faith in Christ and what he's done for you on the cross of Calvary. He will affect our feelings. He will affect our lifestyle. He will affect our hobby. He will affect our family. Whatever it takes, he will affect in an attempt to destroy our faith. The Bible says at least three times, I want you to understand this, that the just shall live by faith. The just is the justified. The justified is those that have accepted Christ as their Savior. We are the ones that have been 
justified or declared not guilty. The just shall live by faith is not addressing the non-believer. The just shall live by faith is to the believer. Those that have been justified shall now continue to have their life source because of our faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary. Listen, faith is our lifeline. Faith is our life source. That's why we all, of, all the time are voicing how important it is to have your faith not just have faith, and you don't need to just have uh, just, just thrown around uncommon elementary faith, but we need to have faith in Christ and what Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary because that's where we get life. And without faith, we don't have life. And so that's why the enemy is trying to destroy our faith. He'll take whatever avenue he has to, but he is trying to destroy our faith. Any avenue that can build doubt and unbelief, any attempt to destroy our relationship with Christ is the avenue that he will take. Brother West mirrored this uh, the other night, but listen, you need to know the enemy of your soul, he don't care about you. He don't care about you. He don't care about your family. He don't care about your children. He don't care about you. All he cares about is destroying your faith. He come to steal, kill, and destroy not to give joy, build up, and give you a happy life. He's here to destroy. And I want to reiterate this truth. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is beyond the tricks and the wiles, the attacks of the enemy. Nobody is above the attacks of the enemy. He still knows where to hit us. We're quiet this morning, and that's okay, but I want, you to, I want, I want to know you're, that you're hearing. He still knows where to hit us. Everything going good today, everything smooth today, listen, he still knows where to knock you off at. He still knows how to discourage. He still knows how to defeat. He knows where to hit us, but in all things, we need to know that the grace of God is still sufficient. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And the grace of God is still uh, uh, sufficient. It's sufficient for the addicted. It's sufficient for those that are bound. The grace of God is sufficient for the trial to help you climb the mountain, to go through the darkness of the valley. The grace of God is still sufficient today. So no matter how the enemy hits us, we have the help of the Holy Spirit. Here's the question. I present, and there's a couple of truths that I want to bring out in this story that I can't pass by. But I want to ask you, and I, again, we're not verbally answering, but in our heart we got to answer. But is salvation enough for us today? When your prayers are not being answered, is salvation enough? When you feel like God is ignoring you, is salvation enough to remain? When I'm still sick, is salvation enough that I won't throw my relationship with God away? Is salvation enough for me to continue to follow Christ? And I don't want you to understand, yes, I believe that God is a blessing God. God is a healer. God is a deliverer. God is a giver. God is able to mend. God is able to restore but when it seems that God is silent, Pastor Brian has said God's silence does not mean that God's absent. 
But when it seems that God is silent and we're left in the trial of time, here's my question. Will you remain in relationship with the Lord when you feel like God has turned you a deaf ear? Will you remain? Will you stay? Our text, we'll look back at this text. I want, you to, I want you to think about this. We're in Mark's gospel. Mark is straight to the point. Mark presents Jesus as a servant. That's how he's presenting him. He's a servant. He has come to seek and to save, but Mark presents him as the servant side of Christ and all the things he's done. Watch this. He gets right to the point. By chapter 2, that's where our text is. And if I backed up to chapter number 1, here's what already Mark has, has already recorded. He's recorded John coming down and sitting beside the Jordan River and introducing Christ as the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world. He has recorded John baptizing him in the Jordan River. He's already recorded the temptation when the devil took Christ up on the mountain and told him to cast, make these stones into bread, knowing that Christ had already been fasting for 40 days. He had already recorded that he'd been calling disciples. He'd already called them out of their boat, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of man. He recorded where he'd been casting out demon spirits. He recorded where he healed Peter's mother-in-law. He recorded where he cast out more demonic spirits. He recorded where he already started his first preaching tour through all of Galilee. He recorded where he casted out more demon spirits three times. He recorded where he healed the leper. That's just chapter 1. That's just chapter 1. And now we get into chapter number 2. Mark is bringing out all of the things that Jesus has done to serve mankind. And in chapter number 2, he's back in Capernaum. He's back at Peter's house. And while he's there at Peter's house, we, uh, the story goes as he had done all of these things and it had voiced abroad. And I love verse number 1. And I ain't preaching that this morning. That's bad English, but you get my point this morning. He says, it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. If we want anything for Faith Worship Center, we want it noised abroad that Jesus is in the house. It was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house and there was four men who had a friend of theirs that was a, a, a man of palsy, which really means that he was paralyzed. It's not cerebral palsy like we would think today, but he was paralyzed. This man couldn't walk. This man couldn't do anything. And these four men all grabbed a stretcher. They grabbed a bed. All of them took a corner. They laid him up on the bed or they just picked up the bed that he was on. And they made their way to Peter's house. When they got to Peter's house, they went to open the door. The crowd was so great they could not get into the door. They couldn't get to Christ. If they got the door open, the door was closed. And they, I, I don't know, I'm just putting it in my own words. They looked at themselves. What is our next? What do we do next? Well, one of them said, let's go up on the roof. Well, they made their way up the stairs going to the roof. And when they got up on the roof, most houses that day had a trap door where they could go into the, uh, go into the house. They might have opened the trap door, but the fact of the matter is, even the trap door was too small for them to let the stretcher down before Christ. So they begin to tear the roof off of the house. 
They pulled back the wood. They tore back the mud. They took back all of the, the staffs that was hanging or holding everything up. They tore it all back. And these four men somehow lowered down this stretcher right before Jesus Christ. And when Jesus saw their faith, he looks at the man and he says, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And they begin to reason. They begin to talk about what he said. Now, I want to say this because there's a couple of things I want to bring out, and I'm going to come right back to the story. First of all, I believe this is one of the greatest examples of mercy. I'm giving you Book of Steve, I guess, but one of my opinion, one of the greatest examples of mercy that we will find in the Word of God. This man was completely at the mercy of everybody else. He's paralyzed. He can't move. He can't walk. He can't do for himself. He can't provide for himself. He can't go to Christ. He can't do nothing. Anything that happened to him, anything that was given to him, anywhere that he went was provided because somebody had mercy upon him. Somebody had to take time out of their life and do for this man, meet the needs for this man. It's one of the greatest examples of mercy. Nobody is at the mercy of another more than somebody that is paralyzed. There's absolutely nothing he can do to contribute to his trip to Jesus Christ. He can't help him in no way. There's nothing he can do. He can't give no strength. He can't give nothing at all. I want you to think about this. He did not help them get to Peter's house on that day. He did not help them knock on the door because he's paralyzed. He did not help them uh, open the door because he couldn't. He was paralyzed. He did not help these men climb up on the roof carrying his stretcher. He didn't contribute nothing. He didn't help them pull back the trap door. He didn't help them tear off the roof. And he did not help them lower himself down before Jesus Christ. He is at the mercy of somebody else. Likewise, I want you to know that it's a position that we ought to keep of humility in our own life when it comes to salvation whether people think they did or not the fact of the matter is we didn't contribute nothing to our salvation we didn't step out of heaven and come to a cruel sinful earth We wasn't mocked and ridiculed for 33 and a half years. We didn't begin a ministry that they didn't want for three and a half years. We didn't stop by to take a beating from a whooping post that we didn't deserve. We didn't have a crown of thorns that was placed upon our head. There wasn't nobody that laid a cross on my back. There wasn't nobody that pushed me to go up Calgary or Calvary's Hill. Nobody nailed me to a cross. I didn't shed no blood. I wasn't raised up before everybody. I was at the mercy of thy king and because he loved me he gave he gave he gave me eternal life if I would believe upon him listen we didn't earn it we didn't merit it I don't care what your last name is I don't care what your bank account looks like how good it is or let me say this how bad it is we didn't contribute nothing to our salvation we're at the mercy of God Everything that Jesus done for us was because he had mercy upon us. I want to also acknowledge the great example of faith. This man had friends like I want today. This man had friends like I want today. When they couldn't get in the door, they wouldn't quit. When they had to climb up the roof, 
They said, I've got a corner, you got a corner, let's bury him. Born, they carried him. When they couldn't get him through the trap door, they didn't quit. When they had to tear off the roof, they just didn't quit. When they had to lower him down, they just didn't quit until they got him to Jesus. They gave us a great example of faith. They gave us a great example of what we ought to be like. And I want to take this moment to encourage you to, to, to continue on. It's not my message, but I want to encourage you to press in to faith that will not quit. I want you to know I'm thankful for friends like that. And I look at these men and I think what a great example they left. Uh, but the fact of the matter is uh, nobody will believe and nobody will press in like you will when it's you that are hurting. Uh, and I just come to tell you this morning to not quit. It's you that is broken. Uh, it's you that is hurting. Uh, it's your family that is being attacked. Uh, it's your marriage that's under a fire. Uh, it's you that is broken. Uh, I want you to know don't give up. Don't quit. If you'll get to Jesus, He will answer you. If we have to press in, if we have to climb the sycamore tree, this man had great friends. You've got a great church family. But nobody will provide for you. Nobody will press in like you will press in for yourself. So I encourage you to keep on because we're the one that's, that's, we're the one that's hurting. Ask, seek, knock. God will never, never forsake us. Now, I want you to think for me for just a moment. And this is back to my question. They went through all of this trouble. They picked up a man, came with a stretcher, and they brought him down to the door of Peter, and they couldn't get in the door. When they couldn't get in the door, they climb up on the roof, carrying a man, they couldn't get him through the trap door. They tear off the roof. And they lower him down to Christ. Braden, would you help me? I want you to think about this. I want you to lay down right there. Here's the picture. They bring a man that is paralyzed. And they lower him down before Christ. I want you to think. I know this is Sunday morning. Usually Wednesday night I stop and I ask and I talk because I want people to interact and I want them to know. But you got four of his buddies that went through all of the trouble to carry him, got to the door, went up the roof, tore the roof off, lowered him down to Christ. What is it that them four men are wanting and what is it that that man that's paralyzed is wanting? What are they wanting? What are they wanting? Oh, we got a lot of time. I'll wait on you. I'll sit down if I need to, huh? He wants a healing. He's wanting to walk. He's wanting his feeling back. And Jesus says, thy sins, hang on. That's what Braden's wanting too. I'll get you a pill in a minute. Thy sins be forgiven you. And he goes on. Verse number 6. If we look at verse number 6, watch this. There were certain of the scribes that requested. Verse number 5, let me back up. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven you. And he left it. If you were one of the men that was carried him and lowered him down, would I have been disappointed? 
Would I have been a little bit upset? Would I have been a little bit discouraged? You mean I just carried my buddy all the way to Peter's house? Couldn't get him in the door, so I carried him up on a roof? Couldn't get him in the trap door, so I tore the roof off? You done healed Peter's mother-in-law? You done cast out demon spirits three times? A leper stops you on the way and you stop to cleanse him? And we go through all of this trouble to get my paralyzed buddy in front of you? And you say thy sins be forgiven and turn to address the scribes and Pharisees? I'm asking you a question. Would you have been disappointed? Would you have been discouraged? Would you have been thinking, what in the world? Why did I not get my healing? If I was Peter, I might have been a little bit upset. You just tore the roof off my house, buddy. Still didn't get what you wanted. I hope you're a roofer. They're going to put the roof back or I'm going to take a whooping. One or the other. And this man is laying there and he says, Thy sins be forgiven you. And he turns around. And leaves him paralyzed while he addresses the scribes and the Pharisees. I want to know this morning, is that what I would have wanted to hear? Is that what you would have wanted to hear? Thy sins be forgiven you? No, it's not what I would have wanted to hear. I'm just telling you in the flesh, my human side of me. I hope this ain't too plain. But if I took a man that's paralyzed... Got him to where Jesus was, climbed up on the roof, tore the roof off, and lowered him down. I was wanting healing. I wasn't wanting his sins forgiven. Is that okay? And then all of a sudden, they begin to reason. Verse number six, look at it with me. Can you bring it up by itself? Look at this. There were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. So here's what's going on. They're questioning. Is this okay? They're starting to, there's questions, Brother Shay, that's starting to pop in their mind. Here's the picture. I got my buddy here, got to the door, climbed up on the roof, tore the roof off, lowered him down. All of a sudden, he says, thy sins be forgiven. Boom. Questions start to arrive in their mind. Look, not just the scribes and Pharisees, but probably to everybody that is there, they start to question. Do you know why they were questioning in their heart? Because I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get what I wanted. That wasn't what I was expecting. They start to ask questions. You know we do the same thing? I didn't get what I asked for. I didn't get my healing. So am I really saved? Okay, me and Brother Tristan. The Lord hadn't met my need yet, so am I doing something wrong? Reverts us back to law and works. my, My marriage is still tore up, so I guess God is mad at me. Oh, I'm preaching good. I know we're quiet, but I'm preaching good. Oh, I'm still going through the trial. Here's one that most all believers have wrestled with. So I don't guess I have enough faith. (laughs) Some people preach it that way. You just got a little faith. But I I got, oh, my faith is, mm, 
Mm, I got a lot of faith when it comes. The Bible don't even address that. You have faith as a mustard seed. Let me tell you this. Faith is faith. Faith is faith. It's not whether you have enough faith. Do you have proper faith? That's faith. We start to reason in the heart. I haven't got my healing yet. My marriage is still in trouble. I still got the problem at work. I've been asking God to meet a financial need. So all of a sudden, we start to ask all of these questions. Something must be wrong with me. Guess what's happening? Guess what's happening? The Lord may be withholding something for just a moment. The devil is using these questions to do what? To build doubt and unbelief and destroy my faith in Jesus. Am I the only one that began to question God when I didn't get what I asked for? Start to build doubt and unbelief. Can I just be blunt? This war already quiet, so I'm not going to. Most of our petitions to the Lord are selfish. Most of our petitions to God are selfish. They don't have nothing to do with God. Transform me. Me and Brother West was talking a couple of weeks ago, and I told him, I said, my prayer has changed. The last month or so has changed dramatically. I have my prayer. I have the way I start my prayer, all of this, but... I found myself praying for Steve. God, change my attitude, change my temper. Make me the man you need me to be. Mold me, make me. Lord, i got to talk about me. I'm the problem. The one I look in the mirror is the one that I've got to be concerned about. I, I'm, I'm the one that needs to be addressed. And all of a sudden, our petitions become selfish. And here's the thing about our petitions becoming selfish that I want you to think about is most of our petitions are made to the Lord to make this life more comfortable. I'm preaching good. It's to make this life more comfortable. Well, if I didn't have this problem, God, I would do so much more for you. (laughs) Well, if God, if I didn't have this going on, you wouldn't believe how, how much I would be a witness for you. We're bargaining with God. We're, we're, we're making a, giving God an offer. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this more than you are. So here's the thing that we're doing, and I want you to understand. How come is it that if I am paralyzed in my situation, there's nothing I can do to receive? And God reminds me, my sins are forgiven. I still can't walk. I still can't function. Thy sins are forgiven. How come is it as believers that we always leave our relationship with Christ on the table? Why is it never off the table? How come our relationship with Christ always lies in the balance? Because our human side is bargaining with God. We're bargaining with God. God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. I told the Lord one time. I've said this before, but I told God one time, God, I don't know why you don't make me a millionaire. I said, because I've been through a house fire. I remember five-year-old when our house burnt. We barely made it, literally barely made it out. My dad swung home, the, uh, swung open the screen door, kicked me on the way out as I was trying to put my pajamas or something on, kicked me on the way out, grabbed me before I ever 
hit the ground, the sidewalk, got me to the end of the sidewalk by the road and set me down before the house, the roof of the house completely caved in in the middle of the night. I know what it is to go through a house fire, and I was telling the Lord I was making a deal with God. God, why don't you make me a millionaire? If somebody had a house to burn, I would, I would go and buy them a house. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, why don't you do what you can with what I've given you now? Because if he can't trust you with a little bit, if I've got a whole lot, I'm not going to do no more for the Lord. So I'm bargaining with God. And my relationship with the Lord is never off the table because I want God to do something for me. I'm preaching to me, so this is okay. I want God to do something for me, and if God will do something for me, oh, then I'll really press in and worship Him. God, if you'll heal me, I'll praise you. I will worship. The truth of the matter is, my arms ain't broke now. God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. I'm preaching good. When did we, when did we come out of the place of the paralyzed man of mercy to the place where we're entitled. <laughs> I got a side door. I'll, I'll leap if you come after me. When did we become entitled? I, I said we. I'm not just preaching you. I'm preaching me. When did I become entitled? Where God owes me. Here's something I want you to know. God, yes, he uses trial and tribulation to make us pray and to bring us closer to Him. But watch this. He don't use salvation. He don't use salvation that way. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. That's done. That is secured. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. As long as I keep my faith in Christ, God is not using salvation to bargain with He's just saying, if you'll come, you can drink from the water, drink from the well, and you'll never thirst again. God takes it off the table because we put faith in Him. Oh, but the moment that He don't do what I want Him to do, then we put it back on the table. God, if you want me to serve you. Not salvation. He says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. Is it, I want you to look with me. You don't, I don't want you to turn there. I just want her to go. But to look at Luke 10 and 20. We're still at the paralyzed man. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not. Watch this. That the spirits are subject. Don't rejoice that spirits are subject to you is what he's saying. But rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Oh, this made me repent. I can't think of a time, I'm just going to be open with you. I can't think of a time, Brother James, that I was in the middle of a trial and begin to rejoice because my name is written in heaven. I can't. I just can't. I'm speaking for me. God, my world is tore apart. My marriage is bad. Everything, my, my, my world is completely crashing in during that time. I know we have a great example by Paul and Silas. Paul, he began to sing and begin to worship, stretched out on a floor. He better be glad it was Silas with him and not me. 
Because I, I would have been, Paul, shut up. This ain't the time. I can't think of a time, Brother Junior, that I begin to rejoice just because my name is written in heaven. You know, we come in on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we worship when we feel like it. Is that okay? Rejoice because my name is written in heaven. Look at this one, 1 Thessalonians 4. Look at this. This is good. You're going to love this one. You probably shout me down here. But I will not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as they which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Watch this. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up uh, together with him, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Watch verse number 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. <laughs> I've never used this if I was sitting down with somebody and they were broken. Not that I would, but I'm just giving you an example. And they were broken and everything is going wrong in life. Their families tore apart and everything else. I've never looked at them and said, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. And we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up. But do you know them texts are supposed to be a comfort? But that's not... This kind of message i got to preach to me. That's not what I want to hear when I'm hurting. That's not what I want to hear when I'm in a trial. That's not what I'm looking for when I'm sick. No. And what the Lord is saying, look, guess what? When Jesus comes, even if you're sick, as long as you're saved, it's all over with anyway. Comfort one another with these words. Rejoice that your name is written down in heaven. We're paralyzed. We're at the mercy of God. And if God don't give us the right answer, I just want to know this morning, is your salvation enough to hold you when God don't give us the answer that we want? You see, rooted and built up in love is this. We serve God because we love Him. If you don't serve God because you love Him, you're either going through the motions or you're not going to be here long. We serve God because we love Him. And in verse number 9, He says this. We read on. Verse number 9, Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Your sins be forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has a power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, go to your house. And immediately, He took up His bed, he took up his bed, stand right there, and he left. But before he became this, he was a paralyzed man at the mercy of God. And the reason Jesus went ahead and answered is because this. When he said, thy sins be forgiven you, 
Did anybody see him wash all the sins off his heart? Did anybody see me bring him up? Because he done something in the natural that they could see that was an impossibility so that they would know that he did do something inside internally that they did not see. Arise, take up your bed and walk. But he asked this question, which is easier? What is easier? Thy sins be forgiven or take up thy bed and walk? That word easier, it literally means this, better for the toil. Better for the struggle. What is better for the struggle? Your sins be forgiven or that you can walk? You see, we're struggling because of the fall of man. We're struggling because of sin. The struggle is that we make heaven our home because we kept our faith in Christ and what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. What's better for mankind? What's better for you? That you can walk or that your sins be forgiven? That you're healed or that your sins be forgiven? That you're delivered or that your sins be forgiven? That your marriage is healed or that your sins be forgiven? That your family is restored or that your sins be forgiven? I come to ask you this morning, uh, is salvation enough when God is not answering like we want Him to. Because if salvation is not enough, then our priorities have been mixed up. Yes, God is a blessing God. But salvation must remain enough to hold us. I said us, I'm preaching to me. This is going to be a hard statement for me to make, but listen. If my world is torn apart, if I lose everything that I have tomorrow as far as worldly possessions, if my health begins to fail, my salvation should be enough to give me a reason to rejoice because my name is written down in heaven. Because regardless of what happens in this life, Regardless of what I gain or what I lose, regardless if I'm up or if, my Lord, is salvation enough that I will take it off of the table and say, God, you know what? You're still in charge. I'm going to serve you if I'm sick. I'm going to serve you if my world's falling apart. I'm going to serve you if my marriage ain't good. I'm going to serve you if I'm broke. When do we come to the place that we take salvation off of the table and say, God, no matter what. The devil, listen, do you know the devil himself cannot take your salvation? He can't take your salvation. We give it up because we quit believing. And all of these things, he's just trying to get our faith to fail. He's trying to get our faith to fail. So I just come to tell you this morning or ask you a question. Is salvation, you can sit right there. Is salvation this morning, is it enough that you would serve God? I know we think of Job often, but losing everything in one day that he ever has, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, scraping bulls, but I know my Redeemer, he lives. Is salvation, knowing that your sins are forgiven, 
Is that enough that you will stay in relationship with God no matter what? Would you stand with me this morning? Can I make a request? Hannah, would you come? Singers, musicians, would you help us? You can come as you are. I just come to ask you a simple, I know it's different. We've not shouted the house down today. I've learned that a lot of times my own spiritual ignorance has withheld, let me say it like this, has held up the process of God in my life. If God is allowing trial and tribulation to draw me closer to Him, but when it first comes on, I'm frustrated and aggravated, and I'm, and I'm in my spirit, I'm thinking, God, if you don't do this for me, I'm not going to serve you anymore. Well, the trial hasn't yet served its purpose. And until I come to the place of the paralyzed man and say, you know what? I'm at your mercy. You don't owe me anything. If you never do another thing for me, I'm just thankful that my name is written in heaven. And that gives me reason to rejoice. And most times, when I reach that point, it's then that the trial, the storm passes. This morning, I just bring you back to simple salvation. Is salvation enough? How's your relationship with the Lord? How is my one-on-one -on -one relationship with Christ. Am I saved? And will it be enough that I can rejoice no matter what's going on in my life? I want her to sing this song this morning. I'm really a little unsure of my author. But I want her to sing this first verse in this course. And I want you to think about this. Because God is an individual God that loves you and that cares about you this morning. Would you sing that first verse out? Go ahead. He's not mad at you. No, he's not disappointed. His grace is great. Come on, think about that this morning. Hallelujah. No, you're wrong, of mercy he is ever kind here is invitation his arms are open wide you all of us Let's just worship just a moment. He's louder 
Come on, think about it. That whisper. Hallelujah. Come on, just worship a moment. How tenderly he calls you. His, His arms are open wide. Come, come as you are. call this morning I found myself several times in my relationship with the Lord maybe doing it before I realized but bargaining with God God this is what I need this is what I want and if you'll do this I'll keep on serving you I'm speaking for me and not for you this morning the Bible says that if your earthly father loves to give you good gifts how much more does your heavenly father like to give you good things you need to know this morning, God wants to heal. God wants to restore. God wants to mend. God wants to bless you this morning. But more than all of that, He just wants a right relationship with us. We stand at His mercy. He doesn't owe me anything this morning. But He's forgiven my sins and given me a reason to rejoice. And this morning, my altar call is simple. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe we got our priorities just a little mixed up. Maybe we've held our relationship with God up because we're wanting something else or needing something else. I just want to call your attention back to this simple truth this morning. When it all comes down to it, in our heart of hearts, salvation has got to be enough. Salvation has got to be a reason to rejoice. Salvation has got to be a reason that we take our relationship off the table and continue to serve God anyway. I want you to know this morning, you can come just as you are. God's not mad. God's not angry. God's not upset. The truth of the matter is, God loves you this morning. Uh, he just wants that relationship, that one-on-one -on -one relationship to be what that relationship needs to be. Though this morning I opened up the altars. Maybe a time for you to repent. Maybe a time that you just need to say, God, thank you for salvation. I don't know what it is you need to talk to him about, but I wanted to sing it again, and I want to open the altars up this morning. You can come as you are. Go ahead. Hallelujah.
worship with us this morning. Father, we love you this morning. And God, we're thankful for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. And God, in your word, we have a lot of great examples. God examples mighty men and mighty women, Lord of faith. And God, I think about some of the things, God, that they struggled and some of the tribulation that they faced, God. Think about all the things that the apostle Paul went through, but yet, God, he said in his word that he, God, in your word, that he found contentment. No matter what state he was in, he found contentment in you, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would develop that in your people today. Let us be content with salvation, knowing that our name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. I pray in the name of Jesus that that's where our joy would come from, God. Our source of hope, let it be, Lord. God, that we know that when, when you shout, God, that we're going to meet you in the air. We thank you for it, Lord, and we ask it all today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.